I'm just about one week away from launching my online childbirth course. I have worked so hard on this. My husband has put in so many hours, you guys, and I can't tell you enough how how excited I am for the world to see this course. I've put my heart into all of it, and I believe that it will change your life. I know. I said it. I think it's going to change your life, and I certainly know it's going to have a huge impact on your birth experience. So stay tuned for all of my amazing podcast listeners. I'm going to have a special deal, a special promo code just for you all. So hang in there just a little bit longer uh, for that special promo code. And when this baby goes live, and it is like I am birthing a baby. It surely feels like that sometimes. But when we're ready to go live, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need you to help me share it with the world. So if you have pregnant friends, if you have pregnant family members, or you're pregnant yourself, get ready. It's going to be good. I'm so, so excited for you to see it. Hi everyone, I'm Elise Marsh and I'm your host here on the Perfectly Wonderfully Made podcast. I believe the journey to becoming a parent allows each of us a glimpse into the heart of a creator who so desperately wants you to know just how chosen, designed, called, and beautiful you are. He sees you perfectly, wonderfully made. I wanted to read you guys a little excerpt from Jenna's blog. She writes, Someone could have tried to explain how hard life would be at times, or how beautiful, but there is just no shortcut to these experiences. Without them, we wouldn't be able to see the light at the end of the dark days for ourselves, or experience the pure joy that new hope can bring. So while I wish that someone could have made a list for me about how to get through life the easiest possible. What I'm learning is to wish that instead, when life gets hard and ugly and brutal, that I would just continue pushing forward, continue going through it, and continue to know that in the process, grace is being produced in me. And hopefully, just hopefully, I can act a little more like Jesus through each step. Life can be brutally hard and breathtakingly beautiful at the same time. I think like Jenna, what I'm learning to ask of the Lord is that he would open my eyes to see his plans so that my faith can grow. Can the Lord move your mountain? Can he move mine? Oh, for sure. But I think the shift in my heart right now is to ask, Lord, what are you up to? What can you see that I cannot see in this season, this circumstance? What do you have in store for me in this situation? In the midst of the hard and in the midst of the joy, God is in control through it all. In the unseen, confusing, hard stuff. In the beautiful, blessed moments where joy overflows. He's already seen it. He's gone before us. He is the beginning and the end of time. I want to encourage you today, Mama, to find hope in a God who's not bound by time, by space, by anything that could happen in this world. He was there in the beginning, and he's already seen all that is to come. We know how the story ends. 
As Christ followers, we know our God is victorious. He has defeated death, and all of those who claim Jesus as their Lord will live forever with him. That is our glorious salvation, you guys. This is our hope. Our sovereign God has prepared a place for us with him for all of eternity. Oh, my friend, he's doing something so much more than we could ever see. There's so much that we won't see. Make a big ask this week of our God. He won't be afraid. You can't scare him. Ask him to reveal to you what he is up to. Ask him to give you a window of insight into your circumstance this week. Ask him, my friend, to help you navigate the messy middle part of your life. Ask him to show you what is going on in the spiritual world around you. Ask him to open your eyes and build your faith that you might have the courage to live boldly for him another day. I know there are so many of you out there with sick little people in your house. This cold and flu season has been really terrible. I mean, especially in Washington, but I I know it's bad in a lot of other places as well. I think I say that every year though, but I want you to know I'm with you, mama. We had sick kiddos last week and oh man, Oh man, you guys, I felt like I was on the verge, you know, like on the verge of crazy town, like you're not quite sure life makes sense anymore. (laughs) Indy also decided to climb out of his crib. So we, so we started transitioning him to a toddler bed and oh, the new freedom he is experiencing. I totally forgot about that part. You guys, the whole crib transition to a big boy bed thing. I looked at Jeff last night and I was like, babe, I don't remember it being this bad. How did we do this? And he goes, well, I did sleep on Monroe's floor for a week. I must have forgotten that part. (laughs) Pretty sure Jeff is going to be setting up camp in Indy's room tonight for a while. All that to say, I'm in it with you, mama. So grace, grace, grace. Let's say it again. Grace. I'm so excited for you guys to meet my friend Jenna Erdialis today. I met Jenna when we were both on staff at Puyallup Foursquare Church. Jenna is amazing. There is just no one like this woman. She's hilarious, you guys. One of those friends you can cry with, cuss with, and laugh with. She is married to her husband, Phil, and they have two beautiful little girls they live in Florida with and one sweet boy in heaven. Jenna has a master's degree from Southeastern University and is the director of Excel Preschool Academy in Florida. I'll tell you a little secret too. She's writing a book and you guys, you are going to want to read her book after you listen to our conversation today. Here we go, friends. Okay, Jenna, thanks for coming on the show and talking to me in your beautiful hotel room, just so <laughs> gorgeous. Okay, so tell everyone where you are right now. I am in Daytona Beach in Florida, because I live in Florida. So I'm here getting away by myself for the weekend. I love it. I okay, know. tell everyone about your view. It's just, uh, oh, 
<laughs> she showed me on the FaceTime, you guys. It's so good. Well, currently I'm watching out my hotel window a guy, uh, maybe surf, I don't know, boogie board um, on the beautiful beaches with all of the waves and the like 75 degree weather. I love it. That's yeah, so fun. So everyone who's here with me in Washington, it's gray yeah. <laughs> and raining. Just envision yourself with Jenna because it's really awesome right now. I know. I always get confused. Like I see your sweatshirt and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's cold back there. Oh, yes. I'm wearing Patagonia. Yes, you are. And wool socks. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have a heater by my feet as well. Oh, perfect. You know I do. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so what are you doing in this lovely hotel room this weekend? Well, I am escaping away from my husband and kids. No, <laughs> no um, I'm here to get away to write a little bit. I'm going to try to write a book. We'll see if it works or if it fails miserably. But either way, I'm going to try it's it. It's going to so, work. Yeah. So I needed time to just kind of be creative and not have the distractions. That's awesome. Did you write last night? I did a little bit, like a little uh -huh. bit of an intro. And then um, today I've gotten a little bit more of that done and then kind of some, a little bit of an outline and kind of just trying to write down what the heck I want to say. I love it. Okay. So do you have like a literary agent and all that jazz? Publisher? No, 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 <laughs> no, Elise. I don't have any of that yet. I just, I need to at least make sure I can put words on a page first. Right, right. <laughs> Right. And then I think I'll, they call it later. submitting a proposal yeah. or something like that. Yeah. If I, if I think it'll work out, I'll Google how to write a book. Okay, good. I think yeah. they have things like that. I'm like sure they e books do. about how to write <laughs> sure. a book. I could find one for you. Actually, Jeff could find one for you. Yeah. He's really good at that. Jeff will be my agent. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay, so um, what does your life look like right now? Who is in your family? Who are the people that you um, love? Okay, well, I have a great family. I'm married to Phil. I have two girls. One is one and a half. Um, oh, gosh. She's almost two, actually. Um, and then a three-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Yeah, I know. She, like, talks and stuff. It's very weird. Yes. Um, so they're a year and a half apart. And then I work full-time. And so is my husband. Where do you work? <sighs> I am a... <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good one. It is good. I'm the director of a preschool. That's so, awesome. which the benefit is my kids get to come with me, but I don't yeah. have to be, you know, in the classroom with them with, you know, 12 kids all day, every day. Right. I don't know how the teachers do it. The snot and the um, boogers. Oh my gosh. Sometimes a teacher will come up and be like, hey, can I take a bathroom break? Can you stand in here? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you can't. Can you hold it all day, please? <laughs> oh, but yeah, gosh. yeah, but I'm the director there. One of the directors. That's awesome. Okay. And what does your husband do? Uh, he's the campus pastor at a university here in Florida, so Southeastern University. So he oversees all of the spiritual formation um, of the school. So they do chapels, they do missions trips. I think they do like 70 mission trips per year um, and like six chapels per week. So That's a lot of mission trips. It's so many. Holy cow. I love following Phil's like Instagram stories. They're I'm, so good. Like, why are you in Nicaragua? <laughs> oh, you're in Uganda now? What's happening? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Okay, how long have you guys been in Florida now? Like three years? Two years? Four. Four years? Four. Yes, we have four years. Oh, that's just I know. like long as like you're in college. That's I know. Crazy. It's a bachelor's degree. I thought about that the other day. I'm like, wait, has yeah. it been? I'm like, three years maybe? I'm like, nope, four. It's been like four, four solid years. Four and a half now. Okay, and you guys love Florida. 
Do you love it? Do you love it? Mm. <laughs> no. No. I don't I don't love Florida. Um yeah. I actually dislike Florida as a whole just because and of the, the crocodiles. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I can't handle that freaks me out. I can't handle the nature. I can't handle those dinosaurs that live in the lakes. I can't handle <laughs> um the humidity. It's just just so hot all the time. Yeah. But we do love like Phil loves his job. We love yeah. It's, yeah. and it's been it's been oddly like very healing for us here. Yeah. And it's been oh, yeah. So we love all that, but Florida as a whole, no, Mm-mm. it's not our, it's not our jam. Not your cu- yeah, Mm-mm. not your cup of tea. I mean, there's beaches, but we don't, <laughs> we don't get to do that on the regular. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, yeah. so how did you tell everyone? How did you and Phil meet? Like, what's your love story? I mean, I know a little bit of it, but tell the world how did you fall in love with this man, Phil Erdy well, Alice? Well, the funny part is people always ask us that, and especially because Phil works with college students, so. You know, they're always like, oh, my gosh, how did it happen? Tell me how you <laughs> fell in love. And I'm like, Because we're, well, like, so enamored with that, yeah. like, falling in love thing. Oh, yeah. And they think it's this just, like, hot moment where we just, like, ran to each other and frolicked <laughs> in the beach or something. I don't know. But the reality is, is we we just don't have that story. But um, so Phil's from L.A. He moved to Seattle um, when I was away at college because I'm originally from Seattle. Um, and kind of just made friends with all of my friends because he was at the yeah, church. He's a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so by the time I came back from school, um, he was just kind of one of the people there. So kind yeah. of hanging in the same groups, that sort of thing. And I wasn't attracted to him. Didn't think he. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. It wasn't one of those like. Ooh. He, yes, I need to ask him out. I'm attracted to that guy. It just it didn't happen. Um, and he was at my house one night when I was coming back from school. I lived with three girls, and all of them are texting me like, Phil is here. He's going to ask you on a date. He's waiting at the kitchen table. <laughs> and I'm like, no way. How do I get out of this? So I'm like sweating the whole way home. Oh, no. Yeah, I finally get there. He gives his like spiel about why I need to go out with him. And I said, no. I said, wow. I said nope. And so then he continued to tell me why I need to. And I continued to tell him, no, I have to work in the morning. I have school tomorrow. I have this. I can't. And then somehow he finally got me to say yes. So I did it. We went out. Yeah. It was it was awful. It was on Valentine's Day. Oh, gosh. Your with, first date? My first date was on Valentine's Day. So that's like coming up with, your anniversary here pretty soon. Oh, Two yes. Weeks? True. Oh, true. Yes. True, yes. For anniversary of your first date, yes. Jenna. And it gets better. It was with a married couple. Mark, mm. Mark and Bethany were there with us. Oh, I didn't yeah. know this. I yes. love it. Yes, this is real. So the re- rebel that I am, he had to pick me up at school. So I was like, fine, you have to pick me up at school and I'm going to have to go straight from there. <laughs> I wore a hooded sweatshirt. Oh, not, and not the, cool zip, not the cool zip up kind. I wore, no. I wore a full hooded sweatshirt with my hair in a ponytail. Okay. Like one of the ones that said like Old Navy across the yes. front or yes. Abercrombie so, and Fitch? <laughs> That, a college sweatshirt, yes. And I was like, mm-mm, like this yeah. guy's not going to – and I was like, if he brings me flowers, I'm not even going with him. I'm not even oh, going to show up. wow. So he didn't, smart. Um, but we went. It was super awkward. We went to a NBA basketball game with the married couple. It was just weird. Did you um, know Mark and Bethany at that time? I did. Or were they just a yeah. random couple to you? Yeah, no, no. I knew them. Okay. okay. And that's why it was even worse because, you know, Mark's sitting there with, like, the candy hearts – 
picking out the ones that say kiss me and like handing them down. And I'm like, I just can't deal with this right now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was bad. I even told Phil because our friend, one of my roommates worked for the um, team we were watching and I was even like, Hey, she can take me home. Like I got a ride. And he's like, uh, no, you're on a date with me. I'm driving you home. A uh, no. Yeah. Jenna. I know. I was the worst. I was, I was the worst, but then when I got home, um, he had a note on my or a card on my pillow on my bed. And he had written out, like, I know this was hard for you to go out tonight. I know you have a really early morning um, in the morning. So here's a Starbucks gift card. Have a coffee on me. And I was like, wow. So he like pre-planted oh, that. Oh, he pre-planted, gave it to a roommate, made sure it was there. And then I was like, oh, I'm a jerk, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> But then after that, that's kind of how, how we started. And we started dating on and off. And he jokes that I broke up with him three times, but I didn't. I just I just wasn't really in, like, the dating yeah. season. I just wasn't. I was kind of over it. But we kind of just dated on and off casually. And then yeah, I just learned more about him and fell in love with kind of who he was and not that initial, like, right. oh, my gosh, he's beautiful. I want to be with him forever. So, um right. Which I think, which has worked out for us because it's made it long lasting instead of yeah. the, you know, lustful divorced in two years. Yeah. So, it yeah, worked out. good work, Jenna. You're yeah. smart, lady. <laughs> so smart. It worked out. Okay. So, how long have you been married? Almost uh, this November. It'll be 10 years. Oh, that's so cool. I know. That's awesome. Okay. You guys have big plans for the 10 year? We don't yet, but we always have said at 10 years, we have to do something. And so I do think, something big. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about traveling. So yeah, hopefully we'll plan some sort of trip or something like yeah. that. That'd be awesome. So where are you going to go with the Phil is the traveler man? Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere where I can sit there and do nothing. Yes. I don't know. I've always wanted to go. Maybe we'll do like a something big. Like I've always wanted to go to Greece or he wants to go to China. But I That'd feel be like- fun. Like, go I to Thailand. That, like, yeah. like my opinion matters. It does yeah. not matter at all. My friend Elisa. Bethany lives in Thailand, and it's so cool. No, and it, so she says. It is. I think we will, though. We'll do something more than just the, like, we're going to go to Mexico yeah. or something. Especially yeah. since we live in Florida now, and we have these great beaches. It's, right. We're kind of spoiled, so it's like, I want to do yeah. something a little more creative. Yeah. It takes a little bit to impress you. Yeah. Let's just say that. Mm, yeah, a little, a little bougie. <laughs> I am. Bougie. It's one of I those am. new words those college it kids use. It is. I learned <laughs> my sister all tells me. of my words. I'm them. sure you do. I'm I sure do. you do. And usually they'll text it to me and I have to Google it. And I'm like, what does they <laughs> mean? And I have to look up I Urban didn't know Dictionary. that either. Yeah, I, I had know. to Google it. Yeah. Kendra Henderson uses that one a lot. I was like, yeah. she knows what it is. <laughs> she has she four has kids. kids. <laughs> It's like, I got to get it together. <laughs> exactly. I know. I got to figure out my life. But Google yes, helps me. It does. It does. Okay. So at what point when you and Phil were married, did you like kind of start thinking you wanted to have kids? I'm uh, really never. I mean, I grew up. Never. Ju- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not. <laughs> I grew up. Well, I was just, um, I wasn't the girl that grew up just, you know, like wanting to be a mom. That just wasn't me. Sure. Um, I know a lot of people like that, but it just Mm -hmm. wasn't my, I don't know why I didn't grow up with like younger kids. I just, I don't know. So I really didn't ever want to, but Phil is Hispanic. So he's like, I want 14 kids because I'm Mexican (laughs) and we need to have them all. 
and we just need to raise them all. And who cares if we don't have money for them? Let's just like grow up a basketball team. Um, so it was kind of just a battle in the first few years of like, okay, when do we yeah. actually want to do it? Um, and then at some point, um, probably in like year, I don't know, four or five, four, who knows these days, but yeah. a, a few years in, we waited a while. Um, yeah. he somehow convinced me like, okay, let's go off birth control. Let's just at least try, see where this goes. And I was like, that's fair. Cause I mean, I do want yeah. kids. I just don't yeah. think I'll ever take the plunge to do it. So Unless someone's like encouraging me yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just didn't know anything about being a mom or being any of it. Yeah. Pregnancy, birth, it all terrified me. So we finally did it. Um, we were living in LA at the time. So then we were, we were finally like, okay, well, I'll at least see how this goes. Mm-hmm. So what was like getting pregnant like for you? Was it easy? Yeah. Not easy? Yeah. It was actually really easy, um, which I was expecting it not to be just because I had some friends that um, just had the reality of infertility. So I at least knew going in that Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people go in thinking like, oh, you have sex mm-hmm. and you're pregnant. That's how it works. Yay. Um, I at least had a realistic expectation, but for us, it was actually very easy. It only took a couple months, which was a little surprising too, since I wasn't quite ready. And I was like, uh, oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah. So this works. Yeah. This does work. Yeah. But I was lucky that way. Okay. So you got pregnant. What was your first like pregnancy like? Well, not good. I mean, I know, <laughs> but tell the world, Jenna. I will. So it was at first, it was super exciting. And when... I was, even though I was a little on the fence of getting pregnant, um, I was super excited when I found out that I was, and I can remember, you know, keeping the test, putting it in a little envelope for Phil and being so excited yeah. when he came home just cause I knew how bad he wanted it. Yeah. Um, so it was really exciting. It was great. Um, the first few months were, I'm just that pregnant person that throws up all, all the, time, the time, all the time, all day long. So I had like four months of like throwing up three times a day um, in the middle oh. of Los middle of Los Angeles. I would have to pull Phil would have to, we'd be on the way to work. Phil would have to pull over on the side of the road for me to throw up in a garbage can next to all these jokers waiting, like to get at a bus stop. I'm like, I remember I was like, didn't you take the I'm bus like, everywhere? I did. And I'm like, Hey guys, just me throwing up. They probably thought I was like a drug addict. I don't know. But I'm like, no, it's just a child in my stomach. I don't know. Sorry. But yeah, it was really bad. So I, pregnancy just does not like my body. Um, yeah. but it was fine. That's all part of pregnancy. Um, and then we went in for the routine, um, anatomy scan at 18 weeks. We had it a little bit early. Um, and then found out that our son, well, one, that it was a boy. We were super mm-hmm. excited, went home um, for the whole day and night. We're super excited that we were going to have a boy, got to find out the gender. Um, we were a little nervous because the, the tech had some questions, had to pull in a doctor, um, mm-hmm. but then, you know, wouldn't give us any answers, but just said like, oh, we can't see his heart because he can't, he, he's not moving. His legs are crossed. So I had to hmm. get up kind of go walk the hallways, do a couple things. So I was like, I guess that's normal. I text, mm-hmm. a, I text a couple of friends after and they were like, oh yeah, that happened to me. I had to go back so they could see all four chambers of the heart or whatever it was. I don't right. know. Um, so then I was kind of okay. And then um, the next day, the doctor actually called me. And I remember being in, um, I was at work in my office. I got a missed call. Um, and then a voicemail from my doctor saying, Hey, call me back. I'm leaving the office. Here's my number though. I still want you to call me. 
Um, yeah. I just want to talk over some things. And I was like, I don't think that's normal because doctors yeah. don't usually have you call for like a good result when they're leaving right. the office um, mm-hmm. and, and give you their number. So I was kind of panicking. I called them and um, the doctor let us know that they had found a genetic disorder um, at the anatomy, anatomy scan um, that basically meant that my son's bones were um, breaking and fractured in mm-hmm. utero and then um, that his life wasn't compatible um, outside of the womb. So um, that was super devastating. I remember yeah. pretty much not being able to breathe. Phil wasn't there with yeah. me, so I called him, um, and he drove over quick. But, um, yeah, it was a pretty devastating first pregnancy. I don't think um, I will ever forget. I was in the postpart, like I was. I had just had Minbro. And I was in like the next day, like your 24 hour stay. And I was in the postpartum room over at St. Joe's with Monroe. And I get this text from you saying like, it's a boy, but not everything is okay. I'll explain later. Can you pray for us? And I just like, I don't think I'll ever like forget like where I was in that moment, like knowing that your baby was That's okay. right. And then here I was like with my baby in my arms and I just cry, you know, crying in the hospital. Like I remember just being like, Jeff, Jeff, like we need to pray for Jenna and Phil and their baby boy. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I just remember just like being so upset about that. I remember you texting me. Yeah. You know, you know, I those forgot. things just like imprint yeah. in your brain. Sometimes yeah. those memories just kind of stick Yes. Yeah, those were, that was definitely one of them for me. I forgot I waited to text you because I knew mm-hmm. Monroe was late and I was like, yeah. I'm not telling her this stuff while she is yeah. having her first child <laughs> and going <laughs> to deliver and have yeah. this like new fear go into your mind. So I remember that. Yeah. I waited till she was born then I was like, FYI, I got some yeah. bad news. I got some bad news. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Like, yeah, totally. Oh, that's so tough. Okay, so yeah. what was the rest of your pregnancy like? Like, you know, um, walking through that journey, knowing, you know, yeah. Madden's diagnosis. Yeah. Um, well, it started off, I mean, we were kind of not fully numb, but a little bit in the sense yeah. of just like you still have this baby growing inside of you that's alive. Um, mm-hmm. But all of a sudden you have all, you know, all of your dreams of their life is crushed. Um, right. But being people who believe in miracles and love Jesus, we also had the side of, okay, well, we're going to pray that this this is inaccurate. We're going to pray that he um, is healed. We're going to pray that um, we get to take our baby boy home. Um, so mm-hmm. it was this really weird place of being in between these like polarizing feelings of grief and sadness, but also hope and, mm-hmm. you know, praying for a miracle. Um, yeah. So we had to go a long time, a few more months in that, um, so we went and we had to go see some um, maternal fetal medicine doctors and some right. high risk doctors and um, kind of make a plan and see how that was going to go. Um, and we, we had decided to move. We were living in L.A. We had decided to move back home to have the baby um, just because L.A. We'd only been there a few years, I think a year and a half. Yeah. And it just wasn't the place for us to have family and friends around us that we needed. Yeah. Um, so we didn't really have any other plan except for to at least have the baby at home, um, or back in Washington. So, um, I switched doctors once I got back, um, but still had to fly back and forth to LA a couple times to finish Mm -hmm. up with one of my doctors. So it was, 
I mean, it was stressful, but it was very, um, it was just a weird, weird pregnancy. I would have people, I would have people stop me all the time. Like, Oh my gosh, is this your first? Mm. Are you so excited? And I'd have to pick between the, do I lie? Lie. they're, They're a stranger. So there's no sense in putting that on them or, well, this is someone that I know, but just doesn't know our mm-hmm. story yet. So now I have to tell them, um, yeah. which would be awkward a lot. Cause I'd be like, oh yeah, we're so excited, but he actually, you know, isn't going to make it after he's born. So this is what's going on. And then, you know, you end up comforting people cause they don't know what to do. And now they're upset and you're like, right. Why should you should be, upset, be comforting but, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird, it was just a, a very weird season. Um, but we, we went through that. We prayed. I mean, I remember multiple nights on my floor in LA just having worship music on laying flat on the floor just crying and praying to God that he would heal our son and um but still knowing in the back of my mind that it's a a very big reality that I would have to birth a baby that wouldn't live and so it was just a weird very emotional Mm. um journey kind of in that waiting period which nobody really likes that middle part of having to like okay what's gonna happen how is this gonna play out so um but we continued you know we had normal we had a little bit more than normal um appointments with the doctor but we saw a a maternal fetal medicine specialist and um he was great the one that we had in um washington was a christian and he was very big on just you know i'm gonna see this pregnancy all the way through i'm gonna help Mm -hmm. you guys um because when we were in la we had to get um, we got the diagnosis and then we had a second opinion at UCLA hmm. at one of the best doctors there. And, um, she actually, when she, she actually gave us a different diagnosis, but with the same outcome. Um, and she basically told us, I mean, she was crying. She was so sweet. She, yeah. she hugged us. She was crying. She said, this is the part of my job that I hate, but you know, your son isn't going to live and he could be in pain. We can't tell, but his bones are fractured, you know? shows us on the ultrasound where his lung or his ribs are fractured and um they don't know if they're in pain or can feel pain or what exactly that that feels like in there but just that unknown and she basically told us to abort the pregnancy um Mm -hmm. and that which is really tricky because they use the words um you know we would love for you to deliver the baby now sure sure without saying you know people who don't quite understand don't understand that that means they want to abort the pregnancy yeah. Um, so it was very hard because even for someone yeah. like me and Phil who don't believe in abortion, yeah. um, we questioned it and we considered it in this yeah. circumstance because, and I am like one of the biggest advocates for, you know, pro-life. And yet we were standing there calling our pastors saying like, like, we yeah. know this is wrong, but should we, like, if my son is in pain, he literally is breaking bones. Like, and yeah. he's going to die anyway. Like, should we deliver and let him be at peace? Like, what, as a parent, like, what do you yeah. do? Yeah. And we were we were questioning it. We even, you know, we talked to our pastors and they even were like, this is a different scenario. Like, if that's the choice you choose, it's okay. Like, like yeah. just walk through your options, go through the research, figure out what's going on. Um, and that was nice to have just Support. comfort from people. Yeah. yeah. Instead of it being, you know, this this black and white situation. So, um, yeah, so we had, we had that period where, um, the specialist basically said, you know, Mm -hmm. you can go in the state of California at the time, you can go up to 24 weeks, um, with, with choosing an abortion. But in our circumstance, she said, you can choose it at any time in the pregnancy. 
Mm-hmm. And that kind of blew my mind because I'm like, so I can yeah. be eight months pregnant and decide, never mind, I don't want to do this anymore. Which is so scary. It's so crazy. So she, but she said, yes, since since your case is so severe and mm-hmm. he's not he's not going to live um, once he's born or not live very long. You can choose at any point to just deliver the baby. And they always use that terminology, which is right. very very tricky. But fluffy, um, fluffy. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just glad that I was educated in understanding what that meant and what she really was trying mm-hmm. to do. Um, and then it wasn't just, hey, we're going to induce labor and just because you need to and it's medically necessary. Um, yeah. So they really pressured us. I mean, in a sweet way, but still pressured us to have the baby deliver so that I could recover so that um, we could basically be done with the situation. Um, but Phil and I decided that... Um, after considering it, that we didn't want to do that. And we wanted to go full term because we, we couldn't tell if he was in pain or not. They don't have yeah. like the research on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we wanted as much time with him alive, even if it was inside the womb right. um, as possible. And then we wanted the chance as he got bigger and stronger to possibly even for two minutes, see him alive after the birth. Right. Um, so that's what we did. And then we moved home. Um, had the new doctor that was Christian and that was like, I fully support you guys going full term and, um, and I'll do anything that I can to help you with, with the delivery, um, and all of that. So that's kind of the point that really changed for us and helped us. It was still hard to go to the, um, go to the appointments and have them say, you know, well, nothing's changed. Diagnosis Mm -hmm. is the same. He's getting, he's getting a little bit bigger, but he's still not very mobile. You know, he's still probably not going to live after the birth that was still hard to hear every time but especially as we were praying like lord heal him like we want to go to an ultrasound and they're like oh weird he looks like he doesn't have that anymore um but that just didn't happen so so that but that was kind of the point in the pregnancy where things kind of looked up a little bit for us Mm -hmm. yeah wow that's a lot jenna it's a lot i know it's a lot how did you and phil like your marriage i mean i just during that season like (sighs) Was that just clinging to life every day, just survival? Yeah, pretty much. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the statistic is something, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something very high of people who lose a child and get divorced. Mm -hmm. It's it's super high, which I completely understand now, but we we were lucky enough to be able to kind of hold on to each other through it. Um, We both experienced it different, but... We both at least had the same foundation that, you know what, we're going to trust Jesus. We don't understand it one bit, um, but we're going to trust Jesus and we're going to put that at the center of this and we're just going to go with kind of whatever happens. So we both dealt with the grief different, but we, since we had that, I think to hold on to, it was, um, it was good for us and kept our marriage healthy while it actually Mm -hmm. brought us closer instead of pushing us apart. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's intense. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay, so what was Madden's like birth and delivery like for you yeah. guys? Yeah. So we um at thirty two at thirty two weeks, my water broke in the middle of the night, um, unexpectedly because that wasn't anything that we really talked about yeah. is having an early um, labor delivery. So um, especially because of his. Um, diagnosis he was smaller than a normal baby so that Mm -hmm. just wasn't something that we had talked about the only thing that we had discussed was possibly um he was breech so possibly having to do a c-section um because most babies at that stage could still 
um, turn when when they found out that he was breech could still turn but since he didn't have the like muscle capacity and he didn't move as much they were worried that he would stay breech um and at that point i remember being devastated that i would possibly have to have a c-section just because i was the person that had done all the research i really wanted a natural birth well natural with medications but still um (laughs) a vaginal (laughs) delivery a baby out your vagina was always the goal do the whole thing yes yeah. And so, and just, I had watched documentaries on C-sections and mm-hmm. it's just funny because at the time I thought that was my biggest obstacle. Like, no, I don't want the C-section. Sure. Um, and, but we never talked about him coming early, preterm, nothing like that. So, um, we ended up, I remember being, I mean, it's 4am and all of a sudden I'm like, I turned over my bed and I'm like, I don't think that's normal. And yeah. I wake up Phil and I'm like, I think my water just broke. Cause it, oh, it, wow. it, it kind of broke. Like I felt it, but then when I got up to walk to the bathroom, it really broke. And I was like, yeah. this is happening. Um, and it was just this kind of dazed and confused moment of like, what, like we have to go deliver him and realizing that meant that he was going to die most likely. And like, we right. thought we had so much more time and we just weren't ready. So we kind of, we were living with our pastors at the time. And we just kind of grabbed a bunch of our stuff. I didn't have a hospital bag. I mean, I didn't have yeah. anything. Um, we just grabbed like a toothbrush. Who knows? I have no idea what we grabbed, but we, we grabbed stuff. <laughs> Whatever we, you could see. Yes. And we we got in our car and left. And our pastors actually heard the garage door open and were texting, woke up and texting us. Like, Is everything okay? What's going on? We told them what happened. And they actually met us like the exact same time we got to the hospital, um, yeah. which was great. But um, so we went in, our doctor had to obviously be called in. He got there a little while later. Um, they, they basically said that all of my fluid was gone. So it was just kind of a race, um, against the clock for when he would, uh, live or die. Um, so my doctor came in and he, he sat down and he basically was like, well, it's like, we didn't go over any of these options, did we? And I'm like, we, <laughs> Shoot. We, did, we did not. We did not. We didn't discuss this stuff. And I'm a very planned person. So this is, you know, not great. But um, but at the time, Madden was still alive, uh, you know, in my mm-hmm. in the womb. So, so it was okay. But we were, you know, kind of waiting any second to hear yeah. like, well, your baby died. Um, and so the doctor basically said, you know, he said, listen, he said, we didn't go over these options, but you have two options here. He said, I will deliver the baby vaginally, he said, mm-hmm. um, or we can do a C-section. Um, and the risks with, you know, we went over the risks with, risks with both, but basically said, he said, he said, you know, um, he said, I have no problem. He said, I know you want a vaginal delivery. He said, I will, I will birth the baby um, vaginally, even though he's breech. He said, but, you know, the risks are even there with a healthy full-term baby at breach um he said so the reality of your baby being breech and coming you know being squeezed through the birth canal with bones that are brittle and breaking he said the reality is that most likely he wouldn't live through the birth canal um he said or we can do a c-section um he said that's a little bit more gentler on the baby just because they don't have to be squeezed through but they still have to be you know yanked Mm -hmm. out of your body um, he said, he said, but that's still no guarantee that he would be born alive. He mm-hmm. said, it's just a race against the clock and just, you know, what's going to happen with him. So, um, but there is a chance that way that probably, you know, you may be able to see him alive, but it might only be for two minutes. And that's a huge if he even makes it. Right. 
Um, so Phil and I were kind of left in the room staring at the wall like, what do we do? Yeah. Like this is, it's, it's an impossible situation. Decision. Yeah. And you don't have any time to make it. You know, we don't have time yeah. to go pray about it and go like, yeah. you know, just rain the down options. the Holy Spirit. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. So we, we finally came to the decision to do the C-section um, because even though, you know, all of my personal desires to have the vaginal birth and to do all that um, were kind of thrown out the window when he said, you know, your, your, your only chance to see him alive would probably be a C-section, even though that's not guaranteed. We were willing to take the risk. We were, yeah. we were willing to do anything just to have the option to meet him and see him yeah. alive. I mean, who would yeah, Come I know, on. but, I, yeah. but I, I was one of those people, though, that was just very big yeah. on not wanting a C-section and knowing yeah. what that meant for my future and kind of right. knowing right. just all of it. I yeah. just, and it did I, change. And I had never had any sort of surgery. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, I was terrified of vaginal or cesarean, but <laughs> yeah. still, I had never yeah. had, like, I've never broken a bone. I've never been right. put under, I've never had anything. So yeah. it was just scary. It's a big deal. Yeah, it was just it was just a lot all at once. But you know, at that time as a parent, you're like, any chance I have, I'm doing whatever it takes. So, yeah. So they willed me in for an emergency C-section, um, and delivered the baby, um, which I was terrified on it all, all in itself. But we had our doctor actually, before they willed me in, um, our doctor actually stopped and said, Hey, can I pray with you guys? Mm-hmm. And he, and he, like, he laid hands on me. He prayed with me. He prayed over our baby. He prayed over us. And that was just usually, you know, doctors in medicine don't really quite do that. So yeah, that kind of eased the, the fear a little bit. And then when I was in there getting um, my spinal, cause you know, they don't let, um, yeah. they don't let your spouse in there. So I was in there by myself in this cold room. Operating rooms mm-hmm. are not like a happy yeah, place no, to no. have a child. No, no. <laughs> sterile and cold and awful. Um, and, and, and I'm hard, there, <laughs> the hard. hard. <laughs> it's awful. I'm like, come yeah. on. So, but the lady, the nurse that was holding my hands actually stopped and said, and sh- she said, you know, every one of us in this room is a believer in Jesus and we're here mm-hmm. with you guys and we believe with you. And we were in a hospital for crying out loud. Like yeah. we weren't at, it was just, it all kind of just lined up that for a crappy yeah. situation, yeah. we had the best that we could. Yeah. Um, so then Phil got to come in. The baby was born within, you know, 10 minutes of a, of a C-section. And I just remember, because they did have to check him out to see kind of what his right. situation was um, for a couple of minutes and then bring him to us. And I remember just yelling because I could see him, but he was over in the corner. And mm-hmm. I just I just remember yelling, is he alive? Like, was he born alive or is he dead already? Like, can somebody tell me? Yeah. Um, and the doctor assured me he, that when he brought him out, he was alive. He was breathing. So now I'm yelling at the nurses. I'm like, is he alive? Is he breathing? Yeah. And, um, and the nurses said, yes, they brought him over. So we actually, he lived for 10 minutes wow. um, or something like that. I mean, who knows? But yeah. um, it was some sort of time like that. So Phil actually got to hold him and mm-hmm. feel like his heartbeat and feel him breathing. And um, we got to see, you know, he held him next to my face and I got to kiss him and we got to pray over him and we got to tell him just, I think I just kept telling him how much I love him just nonstop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. probably some sort of crazy came out where the doctors were like, uh, what's happening? But we just got to see him and you could see his little mouth. Like he didn't, he didn't cry and move like, you know, a healthy baby right. would, but, but you could see him move his tongue and you could see him, you could yeah. just see life in him, which is just what we wanted. Mm-hmm. So, 
so it was a pretty special moment and then followed by you know the reality of 30 minutes of surgery being stitched up and then mm. wheeling back to your room with with no baby um yeah was rough i mean we got to keep him for a little bit to do some photos and and different things but um and hold him but then had to eventually let let go of him and it's funny because when we had to even though he had already passed away when we had to like give his body away for good yeah yeah was harder I think than when he actually died because it was like this yeah. letting go of like I remember being alone in the room and just thinking like his body's here like he's yeah. in the hospital like he's yeah. somewhere here just dead and that was devastating for us so yeah um but yeah that's kind of how the the birth went and then in recovery we got to have family and friends in there which was very really mm -hmm. comforting yeah yeah that's a lot jenna i know <laughs> it's so much yeah what it were was... like some of those big kind of markers for you in your healing process like what did the like what did that grief journey look like for you um it's hard to put in words um I'm just prepping you for your book. You know that. Yeah, right now. I know. I know. <laughs> like I should just be writing down. Like okay, chapter one. It's okay. You're gonna um, re-listen to this podcast yeah. and type it out. Yes. Good. 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 No, it was. It was just a lot of. Um, when I got back home from the hospital, we were still living um, with our pastors at the time mm -hmm. in Washington, um, and it was a lot of. We just had friends and family that would come over. Um, and encourage us and stop by. And I think without that, I probably would have lost it. Like, in, yeah. I mean, I lost it all the time, but lost it in like a real way. Yeah. Um, so we just had people that would come and sit with us. Cause you know, we, yeah. we had all, all the other weird stuff of people who mm -hmm. would try to like tell us that the baby was going to be fine and that he was going to be healed and that, huh. you know, they had a brother and a sister and a daughter and a cousin that had this and they got healed. So our son would be, we had all those weird things that mm -hmm. were just not helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, or all the questions of what you have to carry the baby. Why don't you abort the baby? Like mm -hmm. just, we had all that. So it was nice that during the, like the grief and the healing process, we had yeah. people that would just sit with us and be like, this sucks. Yep. Yeah. Like, and, and just didn't offer, you know, they would say, how do I help? What do you need? And that we really yeah. didn't need anything. I'm like, I don't know, some food or yeah. just sit yeah. here or distract me so I don't, you know, hyperventilate. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of that at first. Um, I dealt with a lot of anxiety. Like I, yeah. I didn't let Phil, like he, his part of his process was he would need to like go work out, do stuff like that. Right. And for a while, like I wouldn't let him leave the house because I... If he left, I would literally have to go outside because I would feel, I would just have anxiety. Like I would feel like I can't breathe. I'd have to go like yeah. stand outside until he got back home. Um, so it was a lot of that at first. And then mm -hmm. we actually, um, Phil took a job in Florida, which is how we got here. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually moved eight weeks postpartum, which is a lot with C-section. Because yeah. that's, you know, right when you're even cleared to be Walk somewhat normal. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so we moved to Florida and it has been, and that's why I said it's been healing for us here because most of the people, when we came here, we had a, we had a couple friends, which is why we came. We had some close friends that would yeah. be that support and comfort for us. But, um, we had a, most of the people had no idea about our story. Right. Um, and I liked that 
and it was it was helpful because when we were in Washington um, or LA, every time that we would see somebody, you know, we'd show sure. up at church, they would give you the sad eyes and they would hug mm-hmm. you and they would bring it up and they would do all that. And it's not that we were trying to avoid it. It's just that we broke down enough when we were, you know, alone and by ourselves that it was yeah. very hard to have that weight on us, just an additional amount everywhere yeah. we went, everywhere yeah. we saw somebody. So it really helped in the healing process just to move away and to start yeah. new. Um, and we didn't forget it. We just, we got to yeah. de- deal with it a little bit more private, privately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it took Phil even like a solid year before yeah. he said anything like from the stage or preached or like mentioned anything about that part of our story. Um, yeah. And I remember the day that he finally did. Um, and it was really, really tough, but it was, it, yeah. it was good. Good. Um, cause then we were at a place, you know, it was like a year later, we were at a different place where I could have right. a student come up to me and be like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know that happened. You know, they're all upset and it wouldn't yeah. take me back into this like downward spiral. So, so that kind of helped and that helped us just be yeah. able to grieve, grieve in our own time and with each other and with our friends and family who cared. Yeah. What like, so walking through that season, I know that there are plenty of moms out there who have not the same story that you do, but have lost babies um, mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form, what would kind of your words of encouragement to them be? Oh, gosh. Oh, I it's know. so hard. The only advice I would probably give for people who have been through something like that is that it gets better because when you're in it, it just feels like so suffocating and like yeah. you're drowning and you can't get out of it and then it's not going to get better. Um, and it just, and even for people like us that have hope in Jesus and hope in just better days, it was still just so hard and so dark to believe that we would get out of it. And at the time believing like that we could ever even love another kid because people would say you can have more kids or this or that. And I remember just thinking, I can't, I'm never going to love somebody the way that I love our son. It's just not going to happen. But I would tell people that it does. I have no idea how or at what point it really changes for for people, but it does get better. It doesn't go away, but there's a point where, you know, every day now I'm not feeling like I can't breathe and have to walk outside to, to get yeah. air. Um, I have those moments, but somehow it just slowly but surely gets better and you get through it and you can get through it. Yeah. I've loved your blog I know you don't blog a lot but you know I don't do blog but when you did you know know, in that season it was so I just loved it how you know you were able to just just be open and vulnerable and I think it's so helpful for people to know like hey this is where I'm at and this is what I need and it could change tomorrow and but it was so so helpful I think for people to kind of come alongside you in that season when they knew, hey, this is this is what I need you to do for me or not mm-hmm. do for me. Or please, yeah. God, don't say that ever yeah. again to anyone because it's terrible. Right. right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. yes. Okay. That's so good. Yeah. Um, okay. So switching gears, how did you like mentally, emotionally get to the place where you are ready to try for another baby? Yeah. Well, we actually tried way sooner than you would think. Um, and I remember our doctor saying, um, cause we saw the same doctor as I was in recovery and having to go back, you know, for my six week, um, checkup and all that. Um, and I remember 
him telling me over and over again, like with C-sections, we don't want you to try for a year, a year and a half Mm -hmm. is even better. Um, I just don't want you to do that physically and emotionally for what we were going through. He just made it clear. And I think that was even hard for us too, because we did want kids. And of course, you know, after losing one, then I'm like, I want 14 kids too. I want them all (laughs) Okay, Phil. Yeah, we're gonna have all the Mexican babies. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was hard for us because we were like, well, well, great. Now this sets us back. Like we we were ready to have a family. We were planning. We had the things, um, and we want another baby. So it was kind of hard to hear that we'd have to wait because it felt like another setback of you know now it already been a year of this whole process. Now we have to wait another year to even try, and then another year to have the baby if we got pregnant. All that. Um, so we were, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, cause we had to go through all the genetic testing as well of, you know, was this a fluke thing that happened or is this sure. a genetic disorder that's going to be in our family? We can't have any more kids. Um, which <laughs> actually funny story was really fun because, um, they kept his Madden's cord blood to mm-hmm. do some genetic testing. So they kind of basically regrew some of his chromosomes and, Try wow. to fig- figure out what happened. And we waited weeks and weeks and weeks for the results because um, there was no other way to test him unless they did an amnio. And I just didn't want that um, right. during pregnancy. Um, so we waited weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, I think months. And then it came back. I would call like every week. Hey, did you get the results? Hey, what's happening? Wow. Um, and they got through the first stages of testing it um, and then finally said, oh, it was inconclusive. I'm like, what? (laughs) Repeat that. (laughs) Come again. So we basically, we had to, you know, we met with uh, whatever they're called, the genetics people. um, Right. And they basically told us, you know, it was inconclusive. They couldn't, um, something about it died off before we could, whatever, whatever. And, uh, but they basically said, you know, the reality is with this type of disorder, normally it's just a fluke deal in the dna Mm -hmm. that just happens it's one in like however many thousands um it probably isn't something that you guys are a carrier of it's probably a Mm -hmm. fluke deal but we still had to then make the decision of right well if it's not a fluke deal we're putting ourselves through this one more time yeah but we prayed about it and we kind of came to the place where we were like you know what we'd rather take the risk and try um to have a healthy child and then just decided, and if it happens again, though, then we're done. Then we can look yeah. at alternate routes, and then we can go through mm-hmm. go through different different steps that way. Yeah. So we decided that we wanted to get pregnant um, sooner than the doctor wanted. But um, after I went back for my six week, and then I think I had one after that as well, um, he kind of saw, like, he was very firm on, you know, you need to wait a year, you need to wait a yeah. year. Um, after he saw kind of the way that we were handling it, he cleared me at, I think it 12 weeks, maybe he cleared me and said, um, he was like, you know what? I don't usually tell people this, but, um, physically like you're ready, like your body healed very mm-hmm. well. Um, if you want to try, you can, and he said, I-, I wouldn't tell you that if I didn't think you were emotionally ready either, but right. you guys, like, I can tell this isn't like a jerk reaction to like, well, give me a different baby. He's like, I can sure. tell you guys just generally want a family and I'm not going to stop you from doing that when you're physically ready. Um, so we actually got pregnant at five months postpartum again. So we jumped right in. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
And it was <laughs> terrifying all the way up until, uh, well, the whole time, but yeah. it was extra terrifying up until that 18 weeks where we had, um, we had to see a specialist that time, but, mm-hmm. um, it was so terrifying and going into that, um, appointment to see if this baby was going to be healthy or not. It was just, it was just hard, but we did it. We got to the appointment and, you know, the tech isn't allowed to legally tell you anything, right? right. but they had set up for us that the doctor would meet with us after instead of having to wait till the next day. Praise God for that. <laughs> yeah. At, on my way there, because we were driving from Lakeland to Tampa. On our way there, I get a call and they're like, hey, the doctor just got called to the hospital. She has to do an emergency surgery. So she's not going to be able to meet with you. Do you want to reschedule? And I was like, no. No. I'm like, I'm on my way there. Yeah. My last baby died. I need to know if this one's going to yeah. live or die. Period. Yeah. Find, like, yeah. you need to find another doctor. And right. Yes. So we got to the ultrasound. We ended up getting to meet with the doctor after, but won't give any names. But this tech (laughs) luckily (laughs) broke the law. Uh, And Phil, because Phil has a way of, you know, schmoozing people over. mm -hmm. And he basically, she was like, hi, you guys excited? And he's like, well, this is going to go one of two ways. And he's like, we're going to find out. If you read the file, we're going to find out that her baby's dying. We're going to go home depressed. Or we're going to go out and celebrate right. after because we have a healthy baby, you know. Yeah. And, and kind of talk to through it. It's a like, lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, yeah, I read the file. You know, she's like, well, let's take a look. And without, I guess, fully telling us, like, she's allowed mm-hmm. to. I mean, one of the indicators was how long, like, their bones are, those, those sure. type of things. And so the second she put, you know, the wand on my stomach, she's like, well, I can tell you right there. That's the correct length for the femur. And this is that. And wow. So, the whole way through the thing she was telling us like how good it looked, how everything's accurate. Um, And I think even at the end was like, you guys are going to have a healthy baby, but I'll let the doctor Uh, tell you that. And so, so that was really exciting. I mean, it was still terrifying the rest of the pregnancy, but yeah. um, But yeah. So that was kind of the moment we were like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to have, we're going to have a real baby. We could take home. We're going to have a real baby. Yeah. A a healthy baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So, um, (laughs) What was that like when you delivered Quinn? Like, what was that moment like? Well, I mean, because I can only imagine, like, PTSD to the max. Yes. Yes, it was. It was very scary. Um, and we actually ended up doing um, a repeat C-section because I was terrified. Again, I'd be the person that's like, I'm going to do a V-back. We're going to do this. Let's yeah. do it because I know the research and I know it would be completely fine and safe. But in my mind, I was like, it is so soon and I know what to expect with the C-section. And I know that it won't be, well, a million things could go wrong. I could die. But um, I knew that I wouldn't have to go through the extra like uncontrolled trauma of if my VBAC didn't work and then I'm left in the OR or if something happened. I just, I, I wasn't ready getting pregnant so soon. Mm-hmm. for more unknowns. So right. we decided to do the repeat C-section. So I went in, I knew, you know, it was scheduled. That was a whole mm-hmm. different deal than running to the hospital at 4 a.m. for a C-section. Right. So, but it was still terrifying. I mean, I'm asking Phil ahead of time, like, should I write her a note? Like if I die on the table, like, oh. <laughs> like it's just terrifying. It doesn't get better each time. It just doesn't. Well, not for me. Yeah. So it, w- it was very terrifying, but um, it was a whole different experience. Like, 
in the operating room, my doctor turned on like some oldies music. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you can do that. What do you mean? But I, I, it's just a whole different feel. Obviously, they're not going to do right. that when they're delivering Madden because it was just like much more somber, quiet. Right. So just the whole feel in there was different, mm-hmm. but still terrifying. And then when she came out and was crying and was mm-hmm. big and I got to hold her right away because I was big on you know I hate c-sections and then ended up doing three <laughs> uh it's how life works right yep I made sure so I got to she never left the OR I got to do skin on skin right away and all of that she nursed she actually nursed um while I was on the operating table being That's sewn amazing, up amazing <laughs> so, Jenna That's I was like awesome. dang it I'm gonna get something that I want out of this so, yes you are so that was just pretty surreal. Once they brought her out, she's on yeah. me. Um, you know, I am on an operating table, but they still, you know, they let me have my arms up or one of them. So I got to hold her. She nursed. She literally latched on like within two seconds. She was just oh, all about thank it. You, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty surreal. And it made, it was such a different experience having um, a baby on me for like the 30 minutes yeah. of the surgery versus sitting yeah. there with a baby who had died. It was just kind of the whole full circle. So it right. felt like, you know, surgery felt like two minutes after that. And all of a sudden they're like, all yeah. right, we're, we're taking your baby to recovery. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. We're done? Yeah. But yeah, and she got to stay with us the whole time. I mean, Phil had to take her over to recovery with me, but but she was just there. She was nursing like a champ. And it was just, I remember when we left the hospital, I think, when she came out healthy, that was a huge relief. Like, I just mm-hmm. couldn't believe until she was in my arms that this was real. Yeah. Um, and then leaving the hospital, I remember being wheeled out and just crying. Cause I'm like, I'm going to take a baby home. Like yeah. she's coming home with me. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, so that's pretty, a pretty great moment. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I love it. And she's so cute. Your children are oh, so gosh. cute. Oh gosh. Yeah. They're so cute. Okay. And then you went on to like have another one, like shortly after you're like, let us waste no time. I did. <laughs> That one was a little more of a unplanned, even though I'm very big on, we all know how to get pregnant, or you should. I, know how I to mean, not get pregnant. generally speaking. Yes. Like, I, mean, I know how this works. Like, this you know is the just, steps. Yeah. Like, I can avoid it. Like, it, But it was just one of those, like, you know, at the same time when you're, you want right. more kids, it's like, oh, whoops, if one time, whatever. Um, whatever. So yeah. So we had her, um, I think I got pregnant nine months postpartum. Yeah. So luckily, I'm very lucky. My body doesn't have a problem with getting pregnant, just more so the carrying the child thing. Yeah. So we had another one. They're a year and a half apart. Um, so I did a, another C-section with her as well, just because at that point, it's like, screw it. We're, we're this deep in it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was such a mess. Yeah. I was like, whatever. Her birth went very similar to Quinn's, just in that it was it was less, you know, terrifying but it was Mm -hmm. the surgery part was still terrifying but everything went well except for while I was on the table you know the nurses the weird thing about c-sections is you're awake for a major surgery there's just no way around it like you can hear what they're saying about you it's just weird (laughs) it's not right and you know it's not I'm like I'm like so you're put out to get your wisdom teeth out but not when they cut a child out of your stomach okay okay I mean I'm glad but right so the nurse was whispering stuff to the doctor about like blood in my urine or something and I'm like 
I'm like, I don't think that's good. But my doctor's just like, yeah, no, whatever. No, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, whatever. I'll fix it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so am I dying? What's happening? And then I don't even know what that issue was. Apparently they fixed it. But and then the doctor leans over the over the sheet and he's like, yeah, yeah, you're really gonna have to reconsider having any more. And I'm like, what? Like, my kid isn't even out. What's happening? Like, is she alive? Like, like what do you? He mm-hmm. doesn't have good bedside manner, and I'm just like freaking out now. I'm looking at Phil. I'm like, do Bug you eyes. see her? Is she alive? What's yeah. happening? And she came out. She was fine. She's healthy. Everything's good. And then I think my doctor realized he's like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll talk about this later. But yeah, you you basically have you have a uterine window, so right. I could I could see her through your uterus, and I'm like. So should you not be able to see her? Like, I don't know what's, what's going yeah. on. So he waited till we were in recovery and basically came to tell me that my uterus had stretched so far that he could see her. It mm-hmm. was transparent before he pulled her out. Yeah. So basically saying that I can't have any more kids. Otherwise, I have a huge risk with the uterus ruptures and then right. the baby. If I'm not buying OR, you know, we all yeah. die. So that was traumatized. So I guess there was a little yeah. bit of traumatizing in all of them. Yeah, there's a, just a smidgen <laughs> of trauma in each one. It. it never no big goes deal. perfectly, does it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we still kind of are battling with that. Our daughter's almost two, yeah. and we haven't gotten like a vasectomy or anything yet. Yeah. So we're kind of that's a hard one battling that. Yeah. So. I'm going to get one final second opinion. Yeah. They'll basically tell me, yeah, don't have any more kids. Yeah. But um, for peace of mind, we're just going to do that and then probably close up shop and maybe go the adoption route or something. Yeah. I could technically I could do um, IVF with a surrogate as well, but it's just a lot. So yeah, we'll see. that is a lot. It's a lot. I'd be your surrogate, Jenna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, for no one else. Yeah. No one else yeah. get yeah. any ideas. Here, Only, here's Jenna. My child. <laughs> Only Jenna. Only Jenna. You could grow it for ten months. That'd be great. Yeah, in Washington. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, that could get me to move back though. Hey, I wouldn't be sad about that. I'd be like, well, I'd be like, well, Elise will have our kids, so we gotta go live there. <laughs> you want another baby? Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. So we're kind of looking at the options. Okay. Though. Wow, that's a lot. It's crazy enough. We might want another. I don't get it. We're a freaking zoo right now. I know. <laughs> Oh, Janet, what do you feel like the Lord's doing in your life like right now? What is he teaching you in this season? Oh, gosh. Honestly, I feel like a, I feel like a different level of resilience. Mm. Like I've always been somebody that can, because I've had some bad things happen, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and I've been able to recover and I've been able to get through it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm just learning like a new level of resilience where even in the little things that used to kind of just drive me crazy yeah. or would kind of take me down or take me out. Mm-hmm. I've, I don't know if it's maturity or yeah. what, but I just am learning a different way to handle those and yeah. to be able to just bounce back from stuff and to not let stuff bother me and, you know, tear me down or hurt me the way that um, it could very real in the past. So I've kind of been journeying through that and learning mm-hmm. how to just like let things go with the flow, which I'm not that type of person, but yeah, um, kind of have a new level of that. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think it's a yeah. depth of your faith, you know, yeah. as you walk through just crap um, yeah. with the Lord. <laughs> I mean, really, truly, like <laughs> exactly. life, man, just 
there's some crap out there. And then I think coming out the other side of that, I think you just get so much depth of that faith and maturity in the Lord. And you mean when you've been through just some deep, dark valleys, there's that intimacy with the Lord. I think that you developed, I mean, do you feel like you walked a pretty intimate road with the Lord? I mean, I can only imagine in those few months. Yeah. I always say whenever people ask me like, how did you get through it? You're so strong. And I'm like, honestly, I don't know how people get through it that don't have a relationship with Mm -hmm. Jesus. Because honestly, if I didn't, I feel like, I mean, I don't know if I'd be alive. I don't know. I just don't know how I would have got through it because I went through some dark, I mean, and still do up and down, just like dark moments where I at least though have that anchor and that hope of, I mean, I even went through seasons where I'm not even really like talking to God that much or I'm just like I believe in him I trust him I'm living my life trying to be more like him but I'm just kind of distant um but I still have that anchor where I'm always pulled back and where I can have a hope that like doesn't matter how hard it's gonna get you're gonna get through it and you just keep moving forward and that's really what got both Phil and I through a lot of it so it really it really changed for me personally it really changed my relationship with Jesus because it became a lot more raw and a lot more real Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just like, I'm this Christian that lives black and white and I have, you know, this is right. This is wrong. I've, I've gained a lot more gray areas Mm -hmm. and I've, and I've kind of journeyed through that and been able to just be honest with God of like, listen, this is where I'm at. Yeah. Like I did, I didn't go through that, like being angry at God, which a lot of people do. I didn't do that. because I was like, you know, I believe that this isn't something that like God would intentionally do to me or where I just understand that bad things happen in life. So I didn't go through this, like, how could you do this to me? I didn't go through that, but I did go through a lot of different questioning, a lot of different gray areas where I had to fully just trust um, and get that different, new, intimate, just very real, very raw relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, look, we're going to, we're going to tell it like it is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, David does that pretty good for us, you know, yeah. throughout the Bible. I mean, he's the original. I feel like I feel like I could be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. awesome. Pr- super proud of you, Jenna. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, super oh. proud of you. I mean, oh, you are. You are pretty amazing. That's an awesome, awesome I'm story. Trying. I'm like super excited for your book. It's coming. It's coming. It's I hope in you. so. Do you have like I hope um, so? Yeah. So you're just going to write and write and write and see what happens. That's my plan. Yeah. I mean, I have a whole idea. I have like a premise of the book that I want to write about. Yeah. I just don't. What's the premise? You know, have a, all the middle pieces. So it's hard to put into words, but if you can bear with me here, yeah. it's it might sound a little funny, but it's basically the idea of, well, it's basically the idea that, you know, life's going to crap on you and you got to get through it. But mm-hmm. in that, yeah. it's kind of this idea along the line of fairy tales mm-hmm. about how we grow up you know, from a young age being taught, you know, just we're shown these movies, told these mm-hmm. stories about the prince and the princess and Prince Charming and these this happy ending fairy tale life. And we somehow forget that if you look at all of those stories, they go through hell and back. Yeah. Like, you know, even Frozen, what yeah. everybody loves right now. Like both of their parents die. Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like yeah. the one sister is separated from her other sister. Like yeah. she's lonely. She's by herself. You look at Cinderella she lost her mother she was like 
abandoned. She had to live with mean people. She was bullied. You look at Belle. She was an outsider, outcast, an unlikely person, didn't have a mother. Like you look at all that and you're like, well, why, why do we focus on the happy ending part? Thinking that we need this life that is perfect and we strive for it to be pain free when, when really it's about that middle part and it's about how we're going to go through hard things, but it's about that journey instead of reaching that perfect end. Yeah. Getting through the middle, the messy middle. Yeah. 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 I love it. Have you read um, Brene Brown's Rising Strong? No, but okay. I'm reading her oh, so um, in Braving the Wilderness, Wilderness right now. Yes. Oh, so good. Oh, Rising She's Strong. Legit. She's so it's freaking legit. Um, yeah. It's really good, Jenna. Um, she talks about how people come back. Essentially, it's like, how do you come back from great loss and great devastation? And what does the process of rising strong look like? And what qualities do those people have that actually are able to rise strong and come back from loss or hurt or devastation? And it's super, one, interesting and so good. I mean, so good. Yeah, I'm going to read it. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to read it. You got to read it. I love her. She's so And I love her writing style. Yes, I do too. She's so real and authentic. Yes, she's so raw, which is what I want to do because Mm -hmm. I'm not like, I know I'm married to a pastor, but I'm not that typical kind of what people think of as a pastor's wife. And I've always been told that and I've just always known that. And that's just kind of my identity Mm -hmm. and who I am. But I want to write a book that's not just like the pastor's wife that which there's nothing wrong with. Right. It's not going to be another book filled with just all Bible scriptures and all of that. Like, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to be super distasteful or anything, but it's kind of just where I'm at. So I'm like, it's going to be an honest depiction of life, not just like, here's the four steps on how you get through grief and loss. You love Jesus and you read your Bible and you're in a small group. (laughs) Well, that's great. But what do I really do? Yeah, please, someone else. <laughs> when I'm at home crying alone. Yes. So, yeah. So it's just going to be like an honest I thing love like it. that. So. I love it. I can't wait, Jenna. You got to keep me posted because you better believe I'm going to share that sucker all <laughs> the kingdom come. I love it. Okay, then I'll try to make it good so you, to keep your name good. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Okay, so yeah. switching gears, what are like three things yes. that you are loving right now? Any, It could be anything. Oh, boy. Three things that you're loving. In your life. Well, I mean, I could pick one for you. You're in a hotel room by yourself. <laughs> yeah. That is, one. that is one. No, that would be one. Just starting this um, starting this journey of, of it's it's nice that I'm doing it in Daytona. Yeah. But um, starting the journey of this because I even told Phil, I'm like, even if this feels miserably and it sucks, I'm like, I think it's going to be very therapeutic for yeah, me. Yeah, so, I do too. So I like that. And it's something, you know, when you're a mom, you don't have a lot of things that are just yours. So it's something that's just me as Jenna, not as a mom, not as a wife, not as anything. Mm -hmm. It's just like, this is me. And these are my words. Mm -hmm. And this is my project. So I would say I'm loving that. Um, This is not really practical, but I'm super into bath bombs right now. I see your Instagram stories about the bath bombs. Okay. And that's a really high point in my life right now. Okay. Go girl. Bath bombs. I just found out about these and I take way too many baths, but it balances out my life. Okay. What kind of bath bombs do you do? (laughs) Only from Lush. Lush. Okay. Okay. Only from Lush or there's this other place in Orlando, but it's called Basin, but only from the the legit places. Okay. You know, none of this. You can't be going and getting some from Target. (laughs) No, I tried Target. Okay. It might smell nice, but it's not the same. Okay. Okay. No. I might need to step it up here. 
I mean, I had to get myself oh, a bath do. bomb. I had no idea about these Elise, but there's one called the Atomic. It literally shoots across the bath and it turns pink and blue and glittery and you're shimmering. <laughs> you're shimmering. Uh, you are, and I hate shimmer. I hate shimmer, but all of a sudden you're like a queen. You're so. a queen. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so bath bombs. Um, What's one more thing, if you have it? One more thing that I love. I love a lot of things right now in my life. Again, not very like great but i super love we just bought a house this summer and having we've lived in a lot of weird places <laughs> and we've moved like 11 times since being married yeah creating a house that's actually a home for mm. our kids like yeah. every day we will come home and we still are like i love this house still Aww. do you still love it and it's not yeah. it's nothing special it's a totally normal like one story house yeah. it's nothing it's just a normal house yeah but we love like literally weekly we're like we love our house Aww. we love it. we love it so having a place and a spot yeah. that's really a home for us yeah. i'm really loving right that's now so good even if it is in florida yes with crocodiles <laughs> yeah <laughs> so scary <laughs> quinn will literally say when we when we pass the lake are there alligators in there or do you call them have... alligators or whoops did i they're alligators okay here. whoops okay where are the crocodiles yeah i think they're in like australia or something oh, okay i don't alligators. know where they are Africa, maybe? We'll have to, we'll have to Google that. Yeah. 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 I think kangaroos are in Australia. Okay. So I, I think Africa. Okay. Yeah, they're alligators and they will get you. I know. Christina Gard in her pool pictures. I'm like, how do you no. do that? She'll like get up and close with the gators and loves nature. And I'm like, Christina, back away. <laughs> Stand it down. Stresses, it stresses me out. <laughs> She's Alaskan and she loves it. I know she does. She's so funny. Uh, okay, Jenna, yeah. thank you so much for chatting with me. You're amazing. Yes. I've missed you so thank much. You for having- I, know. I know. Thank this you for fun. having me. Let's do like a weekly podcast. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Or just like personal FaceTime call, whatever. I'll, that That would work. That would work. Okay. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you. Isn't Jenna just amazing? I'm so thankful for this friend, for how authentic and real she is. Life is really, really hard sometimes, you guys. You know that. If you're older than the age of eight, you probably know that. And yet I believe most of us think we are guaranteed some kind of happy ending. My kids are pretty into Beauty and the Beast right now. I'm sure I'm not alone. And after my conversation with Jenna, I just kept picturing the scene where Belle is laying on the beast's motionless, unconscious body, pleading for him not to leave her. I know there are so many of us who have had moments like that, where we hope for the Lord or some magical enchantress to show up in a big, shiny wave of magic and restore what we believe is lost. We know that we don't always get that happy ending. We were conditioned to believe we deserve it though. So what do we do? How do we come back from that devastating, heart-wrenching loss? I surely don't have any answers for you, but I loved my conversation with Jenna about that messy middle part, about the questions and the unanswered portions of our lives. The only thing I know to be true, you guys, is that we have hope in a God who is so much bigger than all of our crap, all of our junk. And I think that's a great place to start. Can I just tell you, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support the show, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of this goodness coming your way in the episodes to come. 
We are just a few weeks away from releasing our online childbirth course. We're so close, so close. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and I am pumped, you guys. There is so much incredible content in this course. My team and I have put so many hours into the production of this online course and it's going to be amazing. I can't wait for y'all to see it. So keep an eye out in the next few weeks for a special promo code just for you, my awesome podcast listeners. I would love to be a resource for you however I can. So send me a message and let me know how I can support you. I'm praying for you today. I will see you guys next week.